HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market. For more, visit fairwaymarket.com. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and uh, we're here at Roberta's Pizzas, as usual, in Bushwick, Brooklyn. My guests are joined, me, uh, joined with me by phone. Unfortunately, um, they can't delight in this wonderful, um, small little, what's it called, uh, shipping container. But if you can t- try to uh, visualize that, that's where we are right now. Um, my guests today are Daniel Klein and Mira Fine from theperennialplate.com. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Hi out there in Minneapolis, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we are. How's it going? Good. Thanks. Thanks so much for being here. Um, so they are the creators of The Perennial Plate, a video series on adventurous and sustainable eating, correct? I got that right. And, um, you know, speaking of date meals, which I'd love to talk about on this show, their most recent video today um, has an, you know, an interesting idea for that. Um, Their latest video today is about iguanas because it's a invasive species. And, uh, you know, why not try eating that? So definitely adventurous, (laughs) adventurous eating and sustainable eating. That's the theme of your video series, which has been going on for how long now? We've been doing them since um, February of 2010, I think we put out our first video, so, and now we're on our 97th video we put out today, so about two years of straight <laughs> a video every Monday, uh, kind of an insane schedule. That but, is insane. Good job. Yeah. Congrats. What are I you don't know do how for- long we oh. can continue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you make a living. I mean, well, we can talk about that later, but that's a lot of travel. You guys are running around the planet, it seems, um, and uh, and then editing these things and then posting them once a week. How does um, that work? Sorry, I, I couldn't hear the question. It, it's a little uh, choppy in the um, d- delivery. Well, that was a, a, yeah, yeah, but shipping container has a, no, just kidding. Um <laughs> A lot of bumps around. No. Um, okay. So, so basically, um, 
this is a weekly series you've gotten involved with and you're like on this crazy schedule and you can't stop. What what's going to happen for the 100th episode? Anything anything special? Uh, I don't think there's anything special beyond our normal um let me try to think ahead to what's 100. Uh I believe it is either I think it's another no, it's chickens in Lexington, Kentucky. Hmm. Um they're they're illegal backyard chickens and so we did this video about Lexington Muir? No, it's in um it was Nashville. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and so it's all these like upper middle class women who lunch who are hiding chickens in their backyard. Um and fighting the man to be able to keep them back there. Oh that's really because interesting. It's illegal. Uh, has, yeah. That's so. Backyard chickens are illegal in in a place that sounds less likely to to be illegal than New York City, which which got legalized for chicken keeping a year or so ago. Yeah, I think there's just some uh, archaic laws that exist around the country, um, mm. maybe that were formed back when people had more elaborate backyard farms. Um, and I think we're kind of governments have still held on to those rules, yet they may not be as applicable. So I think it's more of a process by which um, people are working to change those laws. Mm-hmm. But there still are curmudgeonly neighbors and people who don't want to, uh, you know, have what they think is going to be the smell of chickens next door. But it's usually, you know, there's gotcha. usually no smell or little. Wow, that, that's unexpected. It's it's interesting. I mean, you really do like I I learn a lot of new things on each episode that that you know it wasn't even something I had a notion of. Um, so it definitely is an educational series, and um, oh, thank I, you. Yeah, I mean, someone um, commented on it. I think the quote from Tasting Table said that. Um, what did it say on your site? A welcome and refreshing departure from everything else that's on TV or the web. Um, so why web? Did, did you decide? And I know, Daniel, you've, you've been a producer and you have uh, a film that's been on TV and it's been, been on the big screen. Um, and this is, a, this is a really daring, I guess, series. Um, did, was there any reason why you decided to put it on the web as a free show that anyone can just watch? Yeah, totally. Um, from my experience of uh, making documentary films, I was had a lot of frustration around the time it takes for anything to get seen, and then even when it does get seen, the audience that it reaches. Um, you can spend two years making a feature-length film and then another year or two promoting it and getting it out there. Um, and then, you know, some of its best shot is being seen at a some festivals are, you know, in theaters in, like, New York and San Francisco places. So it's a, it's really frustrating to have put in so much time and love and effort into a project. Yeah, so as, as a viewer, I'd have to go to this festival and buy, like, a pass to see all these films that, I, you know, might include yours, but all these, you know, things that I'd have to see, and it's not, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's only this smaller group, I guess. Is that right? Right, and so um, when I came up with this idea to do, um, well, actually, it was going to originally be a TV pilot. Um, I also know that that takes a really long time, and so I began to think about what 
else might be possible. And it seemed like the web, more and more people were watching their TV on the internet. I watch my TV on the internet when I do watch it, and I, um, you know, like Vimeo and going and checking out all these, you know, interesting artistic works. Mm-hmm. So it made sense to um, to put it out on the internet to get people to be able to watch it immediately. And I also like the idea of like doing cooking and doing uh, telling stories through the seasons. So people are kind of in the season of morels, for example, and what, being able to watch video about morels and the fast-paced way of putting things on the internet made that possible. And um, and then, of course, when you're on the internet, you also need to be putting out, unfortunately, content constantly to keep people coming back and visiting your site mm-hmm. um, and keeping your readers or viewers engaged. And so that was you know, why it we decided to do it once a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you, it's interesting because you mentioned you originally thought of this as a TV series. And I'm trying to imagine what it would be like on TV and um, I can't. I can't imagine what they do with you guys. Like, put you in tons of makeup and like have you smile all the time at the camera and say, "All right, we'll be right back" or something. Um, I, I, I like how you're you're in the films and Amira, who is the camera gal. <laughs> um, you can you can see um, shots of of Mira as well shooting with the with the video camera and you know taking turns sometimes with Daniel. Um, but it's not about you guys. It's about each subject in each episode, that is. And that, I think that that's refreshing, definitely. Well, thanks. We like to, um, we like the idea not of that I don't like you having <laughs> the, the camera person or the, um, the, us basically be part of it because I think it's, uh, it brings the viewer back to this fact that we're visiting and engaging with these subjects. But, but as you said, yeah, we want the people to be the most important part of it. Um, so I think it just like brings it back home to the fact that this is a series and also maybe helps people identify perhaps a little bit more with the characters as we kind of sometimes struggle or with the issues involved in the, in the films, particularly Mira and her uh, <laughs> sadness around animals being slaughtered or killed. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it hopefully adds another element. But. And that's funny. So, so Mira, you're um, a vegetarian, I understand, because of one of the episodes that was filmed that kind of turned you off from meat for good? Yeah, because of the, the first episode, actually, when Daniel, we were living together, and he brought a live turkey home and kept it at the house for a week and then um, and then killed it. <laughs> and he kept on saying, oh, you should come meet it. It's so sweet when it was still alive. And I was like, no, I can't. It'll be... It'll be too heartbreaking to see an animal that's about to die. And then when he killed it, I was like, you are a monster. How could you kill an animal? He was like, well, you eat meat, so you're, you know, promoting the killing of animals, but you're just not willing. You're an accessory to, to monsterism. It. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, well, then I guess I won't eat meat. And um, my younger sister stopped eating meat, too, because of that episode. Oh, wow. I think we're the, I think we're the only two, though, <laughs> that stopped eating meat because of the perennial plate. Well, the only two we've heard about. Well, I'm sure there's yeah. probably others. I mean, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I, I think that that's a totally, um, you know, sane approach to, you know, being faced with these things that we don't normally see. And you guys definitely put it on, you know, in front of, you, you put it in front of people's faces in ways that are also very enlightening and entertaining, but 
pretty, you know, there, there's moments there that are a little grim. So definitely. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's why as like a vegetarian, if I can, um, I can still be a part of this project where we, we do show killing, you know, the killing of animals. But I think it's important that it makes people think about what really happened, you know, and not just in that food fac- you know, factory farm way where animals are killed in horrible ways, which is, you know, awful, but also in the reality of like the good way mm-hmm. that, that animals are killed as well. But do you think, still think that Daniel's a monster? <laughs> yes. <laughs> in other ways, too, though. <laughs> Not just that one. <laughs> well, I'm glad your your working relationship seems to be going well so far with the <laughs> episodes still coming out. Um, no, that's funny. Um, so what was the most eye-opening episode for you guys? I mean, there's like the 97. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I were to, you know, go through them um, and, yeah. You know, it's, it's I, I feel like it'd be hard to say one that was the most eye-opening because I came into this you know, like a a junk food, mass-produced, you know, processed food eater. Processed foodie? So Got it. For me, like, there's been a lot of really eye-opening things. Um, but, like, the three that I guess are the most eye-opening was um, the episode we put out last week with the tomato laborers in Immokalee, Florida. Right. Um, just seeing the farm workers that are, that are growing the majority of our food that we, most people don't really realize or really think about mm-hmm. um, that one. And then there was also um, any invasive species was a, was a hard one, especially as a vegetarian to see because, see that, you know, animals or birds or fish that are taking over. And for me, like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, intentionally kill anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a hard struggle to, to think about, like, well, what, what can you do about, um, about these animals that are hurting the environment um and in some ways it's the most sustainable thing you can eat by you know killing the iguanas and eating them or asian carp or feral pigs you know yeah that's a really tricky subject because it's like well there's not enough natural predators well we're a predator ah who's gonna (laughs) who's gonna eat us i I don't know so yeah (laughs) that's a very big topic and and kudos to putting out that piece about lizard um what about you daniel What, what are some of your highlights um, I, I, thinking back to some of the stuff uh, I got to do in Minnesota in the first season, um, I, I was born in Minnesota, but I grew up um, in England and, in, and then lived in New York. So I've only lived in Minnesota for three years, so I didn't have that great of an understanding about my home state. Mm. And so to be able to travel around Minnesota up north go wild racing, go ice fishing, do all these things that are sort of really part of the culture here um, and things that I had never had the chance to experience. To get to do that was really eye-opening and to kind of like re-engage with Minnesota and become, you know, welcome back to my home state. Oh, cool. Uh, are you liking it now? Loving it? Like living there for, for good? Or not for good, but I mean for, you know, as your home base? Yeah, we're actually... Um, this phone call is an interruption from our moving in and cleaning our new apartment. So we're off the road now, and we're back in Minnesota, and uh, trying to uh, maybe spend a little time here before our next adventure, whatever that may be. Awesome. Well, but yeah, thanks for it's, taking- a, it's a really wonderful place. I mean, we traveled all around 
America and saw, you know, lots of community gardens and people doing really great stuff with food. But, you know, we're, we're really proud of what's going on here. Um, you know, the, the, the community that, is, that exists around good food in, in the state is really pretty phenomenal. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Um, are you going to have any Minnesota-based episodes coming up, or is there one I should particularly check out already on the site? Um, there is a pretty intense one about uh, buffalo. There is oh. a, a wild rice video that's really peaceful and beautiful. Um, the most popular, actually, whenever we hear of someone from like around the country who's seen a video of ours, um, they're always like, oh, we love Duck Five Ways. Daniel broke down 25 ducks. Awesome. What did you make? Uh, Sausage, duck prosciutto, um, duck confit, um, briette, pancetta. Yeah, so five, I don't know, five different things. Which is just a a cooking video, but people like the cooking videos too, which is actually what we're probably going to spend a fair amount of the summer doing is just putting out some cooking videos um, just to be able to enjoy Minnesota and the bounty that we have here and uh, you know but still people what they want cool well um, I know you guys just picked out a song so um, we're going to skip to that and be right back and talk about more some more cooking videos Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries. They cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information. And be sure to check the new blog, On Our Plate, for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. Hey, we're back on Let's Eat In with Daniel and Mira from the Perennial Plate. Uh, what was that song you just put on? Um, that was a Lucy, Michelle, and the Velvet Lapel song. They were one of their band from Minnesota, from Minneapolis, and they were one of the first bands that let us use their music. Um, and they actually had the sort of intro music for the first season. Cool. We, we used entirely Minnesota music for the first season. Um, and and they were we had, had almost every one of their songs on on our um, episodes, so uh, cool. we like to support them, and, and, and they have a new album that just came out, so that's a track from there. Awesome. Well, um, I love all the music on the episodes. They all fit, like, the, you know, the mood pretty well. Um, so, um, thank you. yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see, um, you know, the next season, especially based in Minnesota. I think that's a really, and also based on cooking, too, my favorite um, subject, probably, in the world. Uh, but we do have, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a um, question from a listener. Um, Jennifer Lindahl asks, what is the thing you would love to film? So what's something that you're, you know, kind of aching to do, not sure if you're going to do, would love to do? 
what is something else that we'd love to film? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's I know. still so many. <laughs> I mean, I would I would like to get actually into filming um, a few more larger, slightly larger farm operations. We've done um, some of them, but I think that's sort of an interesting subject to see how um, people are able to straddle being a responsible um, farm or company yet expand a little bit. Sure. Um, that's that's really interesting to me. Uh, anything about foraging is really uh, fun because you just get to go out and walk in the woods and look for mushrooms or oh, whatever. You gotta, <laughs> have, you, uh, have you spoken with Wildman Steve Brill? He's a foraging yeah, expert. I, okay. I haven't I haven't spoken to him, but I get his. Well, I get too many emails from him, but I get his <laughs> emails. Um, yeah, foraging. And uh, yeah, I actually have even a. Uh, app on my phone from Samuel Thayer, the the forager from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're really into it, it's pretty cool. You can just like they, they give you the list of all these edible and dangerous plants, and you can and they give you three or four pictures of it. It's pretty cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that, you know, that's there's um, I guess a ton of topics to explore, and you've already hit a lot that I didn't even know existed. So um, onward. I mean, a huge. A huge part about it is not necessarily like what the t- each topic is. It's most often related to who the people are, um, mm-hmm. and so although we like to find interesting subjects to people's interest, um, what a big part of it is just um, get letting people get to know a farmer or, or a fisherman or you know someone that they can like develop a a link to through mm-hmm. an emotional connection. Right, seeing their so, faces and um, in a kind of like candid way. What what I love about it is not like a, a talking head documentary and it's not quite just, you know, um, uh, well, it's not a print interview, um, but you get some really cool moments that uh, I don't think you could get in either format. Um, uh, I remember, uh, I really love that interview you managed to get with, um, I don't remember his name, but the owner of Anson Mills in that episode about the Anson Mills. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seed um, saving and so forth. Um, yeah, it was just is, really honest and cool. Yeah, he is uh, honest. And I mean, that was uh, an interview which he everything he said was, was gold. He's a really intelligent person and I kind of was sad to have to cut it down to so short of a time limit. I mean, that's often an experience, but um, in that particular case, it was just lots of, as you put it, like nuggets of, you know, or um, sound bites that were just really easy to use. On the you other know, hand... the web, mm-hmm. you want it to be, like, we want it to be, like, around seven minutes, four to seven minutes long, you know? Mm-hmm. So it can be challenging to cut out all the good stuff people say. Definitely. On the other hand, have you ever had um, an experience where you set out to make an episode, um, talk to some people, and it just didn't work for whatever reason, uh, work enough for your purposes? Yeah, there's been a, there's been a couple. Um, the first thing that we did when we first set out from Iowa, because we went on, you know, we planned a six-month road trip around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, by car, so about like two hours from Minnesota, um, is Seed Savers. I don't know if you're familiar Seed with Savers Exchange, yeah, cool. 
Yeah, and it was it's really interesting. It's really it's really cool, and what they're doing with seeds is really great. Um, but it just didn't make sense for the first episode because a lot of it was like indoors and looking at you know seeds and shelves and in drawers and stuff like that. So that wasn't um, that wasn't great for the first mm-hmm. episode. Um, and then you know there was another time when we went to um, a Native American reservation in South Dakota and. We'd heard that the story was more focused on food, and once we got there, it it wasn't as much. Um, wow. So that one didn't work. But I feel like usually Daniel edits all the episodes, and I feel like he can... Um, I mean, there's been times when we film something, and afterwards he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to put together with this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. And then he makes it work, and it's great. Right. So it's kind of like... A, a really maybe editor. it's that chef mentality, because he has a lot of kitchen training. You just got to make it work. Make it yeah. come together. Keep adding more <laughs> ingredients yeah. and so forth. Yeah, it's very much like a, create, a creative process like that, where you um, you have a set of ingredients and you you know develop a menu or a, a dish based on the best of what's there, or or sometimes not just the best, but what things work best together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the reasons um, you know you had mentioned earlier quote about how it's different from what's on TV, I think one of the biggest things is that we don't really go into any of our um, filming a preconceived notion of what the video is going to be about or the episode is going to be. We go in and we film and we interact um, with our subjects and Neat. see what they're doing and um, go, go to the editing, editing board and kind of take the best moments without saying like, oh, we need to tell this story. We don't need to tell any story. We just need to tell the best story that came out. From right. That. So, and because we have that once a week format, it really lets us lets us change and do things completely differently. You totally. Know, like last week was tomato labor and their hard life, and this week is about a guy who drives a golf cart and shoots lizards. You know, it's like <laughs> pretty dramatically different, but that keeps it interesting for us and it definitely keeps me on my the edge of my seat wondering what kind of bizarre meal people are going to be eating in the next episode um or delicious one um so speaking (laughs) (laughs) um that lizard was delicious by the way yeah i mean it looked okay um i've never had (laughs) it but we'll see um it, it really was like better than i mean i would happily eat it you know as any any in it in any meal. It was just really very good. There's nothing gross about it at all. I believe you. I mean, alligator's okay, right? We all like that. It, down south. Yeah. Those crazy yeah, New Orleans totally. people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, speaking more of cooking, um, what is, and I know you guys are a couple, um, but if you had to pick an ultimate date meal and you could take turns, what would be this imaginary perfect meal? That we that we cooked or that we went out for? Um, it could be either. Yeah, no, I, no, I to think about it. I mean, you know, a nice date meal is obviously when you're cooking something for um, that the other person is gonna like. Um, gotcha. And so, Mira likes—I don't know—her probably favorite date food would literally be. Pasta with a really good tomato sauce. That's what I was going to say. Homemade pasta with tomato sauce. Yay, <laughs> and I mean, that's probably that's one of my. Even though it's so simple, it tends to be one of my favorite things to to make. Anyways, just a really good tomato sauce. That's what Lady in the Tramp and, and, thought too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no meatballs though. 
No meatballs, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and I don't really, I'm not that big on the the fake meat stuff, so no fake meat. <laughs> no. What about either. pasta? Is it fresh or al dente? Any, you know, dried semolina? Do you have it a... It would be fresh and al dente. I mean, it would be fresh and cooked, you know, very quickly because if it's a special date, then you got to go all out. It can't just be, um, I mean, I love dried pasta too, but... Yeah, that's kind of like... You're you're going the extra mile when you you roll it out. Perfect. So, yeah. what about you? What would you, if you were taking me on a date? Um, I would probably, let's see, probably like foie gras stuffed in like turducken. (laughs) I guess. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Monster food? <laughs> Just give him a bag yeah. that says monster you, you food. You like it. to portray me very positively. <laughs> I'm meat eating. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, um, uh, it sounds like you guys have a pretty good um, idea of what the ultimate date meal is for you guys, and that's what I love hearing. It's just those, you know, really individual answers. Do you guys cook much? <laughs> at, I mean, you must be traveling around the world. Do you do you find the time to? To enjoy cooking, or maybe that's something you're going to do soon, now that you're settled? That is something that we're really looking forward to doing. Um, we just got this new apartment, and we're packing our cooking stuff. So we have not been cooking much at all, because we've been on the road. Eating iguanas. I think, yeah, eating iguanas. And I think I've gained, I think if you watched like the season, you could see me being like this you know, skinny guy and gaining, like, pound per, like, episode <laughs> throughout the, because, uh, you know, you're traveling and so you're eating out all the time, and then we're, you know, meeting chefs that we know and eating with them, and it's just like this, mm. a little bit of, as wonderful and as adventurous as it was, a bit gluttonous as well on my part. Although we didn't eat um, fast food. I mean, the only fast food we had was, like, Subway once or twice. How do you manage to, to be on the road and, and avoid fast food? How do we? Yeah, like, well, what's some strat? Like, what's a tip? Like, do you go to Whole Foods or what? Well, I think we went hungry a lot of mornings. <laughs> yeah, because we were in the middle. You know, we were in like the backwoods of Mississippi, and you know, there was one instance where we had to go to a Walmart parking lot and eat um, string cheese because, like, that was the <laughs> love it best option. The <laughs> best option in this giant store. <laughs> yeah, and then Yikes. we went out um, catching frogs in a swamp right afterwards. So that oh, okay. Good. So that seated your appetite. Good, well-rounded day. <laughs> you know? But there was, there was, um, you know, we had like the book Southern Belly by John T. Edge, which is a great and also an Southern appetite. Southern. What's it by John T. Edge? Southern what? Yeah, Southern Belly. Belly. I yeah, gotta check that so out. He, he like points out all these, um, you know, little places, famous places, not famous places that just have huge amount of character and always serve food that's really, really fantastic. It may not uh-huh. always be good for you, but it's if you're ever in the South, you need to get that book. It was a survival guide. Cool. But it's also like a really interesting like historical, you know, food book, you know, explain like the, the food establishments of, you know, the past decade. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, you can just read it as an enjoyable book. Too. Are you guys, do you have any plans to write books yourselves? We, yes. <laughs> really? We, I love it when people 
Come out with that. Cool. Actually, that's what, along with our just cooking this summer, we hope to be spending a lot of time um, working on a cooking slash travel slash, you know, just musings book um, about our trip, about Minnesota. And, yeah, food. That's so exciting, guys. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that's... It's a little daunting. <laughs> it's a little daunting? Well, yeah, just, I mean, you, I, I'm sure it'll be brilliant. So um, best of luck with it. And um, unfortunately, that's about all the time we got for now. But um, thanks again for being on the show. And everyone check out theperennialplate.com to see all these crazy videos that we've been talking about. Thanks, Daniel and Mira. Thank you so much for having us on. All right. Enjoy your new place. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.